Good morning. Thank you for joining me. I'm Debbie Quain, and you're listening to Confetti, the wedding planning business talk show. I hope you can hear me playing silly beggars this morning with the uh, technology here. Um, (laughs) If you're passionate about planning weddings and uh, thinking about planning weddings for others for a living, for a fee, whether it's part-time or full-time, that's what the show is about. And I try to host the show on the first Saturday of each month. Doesn't always work out that way, but it happened this month. Yay! Yay! (laughs) My own excitement. And um, so the way it works is if you have a question, you know, you just go over to weddingsforaliving.com, which is the website that hosts all of the replays, all of the recordings uh, for the live shows, the audio recordings anyway. And then just um, head on the side, there's there's a box where you can ask Debbie, click that box and type in your question, or you can actually call. There's a phone number that you can call in and leave your message that way, and then I'll do my best to try to answer it during an upcoming show. So, um, a little bit frazzled this morning, because normally I try to do the um, the live stream with the video, and um, the software I use is Wirecast, and it crashed at the last minute, so that's my fault. I didn't prepare properly today, so I apologize for that, but the show must go on. So um, on confettilive.com, confettilive.com, there's a live chat room there. You can post your name, your URL, and where you are located. And good morning to Michelle in Orlando, Florida. Good morning, Eileen, with Once Upon a Time Wedding Events in Colorado Springs. Happy holidays to you, too, Eileen. Thank you. Veronica from Chicago suburbs. Veronica's name, business name is exquisitely designed. Um, good morning to Michelle from Philadelphia. Thank you for being here. Nicole from Central Wisconsin. Janelle, who is in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for being here. So, you know, head on over to confettilive.com. Your name and where you're located, that would be great. And that's the place to post any questions that are on your mind right now, any comments, any feedback. Um, let me know. I'm, I'm here to help you as best I can, okay? All right, uh, who else? Uh, oh, Clarissa, Miss Shop Taste Dance in ATL. Good morning. And um, Diana uh, is uh, saying good morning to me. Good morning. <laughs> and fellow planners, Diana is calling in from Engage Me Events in South Florida. It's a clever name. I like that. I'm always so, um, what's the word? I'm trying to be wordsmith. I'm just so tickled. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't think of anything else. When I see the business names that are in place, great, love it. Such energy and creativity. Okay, so should we get started? Yeah, I say let's get started and and turn this music down here. I know how to do that. Yeah, there we go. I hope it wasn't too loud because sometimes I listen to the recording and the music's so loud, I'm like, (laughs) you can barely hear me. So um, hopefully that's not the case today. Um, Yes, Clarissa. So when I say, when I don't, you may have heard the other recordings of the show. When I say Clarissa Miss Shop Taste Dance, I just she's branded her herself that way. As far as I'm concerned, when I think Clarissa, I say Shop Taste Dance, and Clarissa hosted has hosted several events in her neck of the woods for um, for brides and anyone getting married, and it's become quite a bit of a social phenomenon, I think, if I may say so myself. So. Um, what she does is she hosts the events, a lot of fun, includes a lot of wedding vendors and so forth. And what she's doing is setting herself up as a professional, as an expert when it comes to weddings and special events in her area. 
So it's fun, but she's also doing an excellent job of branding who she is. And what that does is not only does it attract the attention of someone or folks getting married or planning an event, but it, it, it attracts the attention of the media. And that's what you really want in any business that you have, because once the media kind of latches on and you become sort of like a, a a darling to the to the to the local media, they're gonna do a lot of your work for you. They're gonna send a lot of business your way without them intentionally doing so. But when you're doing something different, as Clarissa is doing, um, is do is doing in her neck of the woods, then you know, she, there's a lot less energy. Imagine you are looking, you're getting married, can't figure out you know, where to find a good wedding planner. You're seeing the ads, you're seeing the Facebook pages, you're seeing the websites, you're seeing the Twitter pages, you're seeing Instagram. And what's the other one that I don't don't do anything with? What's the other picture one? Shame, Debbie. Pinterest. You're seeing that, but you're not quite sure. And then you hear about this event on the local news they're doing, you know, Shop Taste Dance. Includes a lot of different vendors. You can, you know, I guess buy things, right? (laughs) I'm winging it because I've never actually been to her events, but she sent me the video, so I've seen it. And you see... Clarissa is spearheading this. So you attend one of those events or maybe just check out the video. Maybe that's all you do. But now you and then you start looking at Pinterest or Instagram and her website, Facebook. Maybe you've already seen or heard a bit about her or maybe not. But your, your curiosity, I'm sure, is peaked now. And because the media has somehow latched on, they've, they've inadvertently or maybe advertently um, endorsed her. So it makes your decision a little easier. And that's kind of what you want to do with your wedding business. So I know it may be a little uh, intimidating at first, but the more you do, the easier it gets. And maybe it isn't the live events. Maybe you you do like a talk show, like what I'm doing, or maybe it's just writing. And I'm saying just writing. I didn't mean to make it sound less than, but you're doing something consistently where people who need what you're offering are checking you out. And they may not have raised their hand yet and said, I want what you're offering, but they're paying attention. And that's what happens. You know, a lot of times you see people and you think they're lucky or they were in the right place in the right time. Some of it is luck. And yes, some of it is being at the right place at the right time. But a lot of it's preparation. You want to be ready that when someone approaches you and calls you or emails you that you're ready to go. So get those things in place now. We're not all getting married at the same time. God knows I'm not. (sighs) Soon, soon. But, um... You just want to be prepared so that people know when it's time, this is the person I've got to check out. Or, you know, a friend says, I know of a woman that you need to check out or a guy that you need to check out. She does these events, shop, taste, dance. It's a lot of fun. Check it out on YouTube or you maybe you'll email, they'll send a video. You see what I mean? So get out there and do your stuff. And why am I saying all that? Because I've latched on. Because every time I see Clarissa's name, I say shop, taste, dance. And I feel compelled to explain why I say shop, taste, dance. Same thing. Same thing could happen to you. Should be happening for you. Okay. All right. Head of the class, Clarissa. <laughs> so um, there we go. Um, I'm looking at the chat to see who else is here. Mimi from New York. Good morning, Mimi. Thank you for joining us. And um, let's see. So if you're, you know, you're listening in on the phone lines, good morning. Welcome Mwah for you. If you'd like to be part of the live chat room, just head on over to confettilive.com. Type in your name and where you're located, any questions you have. And um, let's get started with a question that came in from Kathy. Let's see if we can answer that. Hi, my name is Kathy Kepler, and I'm in South Florida, Cooper City, Florida area. 
Uh, I am a new wedding planner, and I have some questions about things that need to be done. I wanted to know if the wedding planner is responsible for setting up the linens if they are ordered through the catering service. I just had a wedding and had to spend a lot of time setting up the linens and was not able to oversee a lot of the setup for the wedding and put me behind schedule. Uh, cleanup. What is generally required as far as cleanup after a wedding for, from the wedding planner? Thank you very, very much. Bye-bye. Wonderful. Thank you, Kathy. Great question. I hope you heard it. I always feel compelled to repeat it because I don't know how the audio played out. Kathy's in Florida, and she is concerned and has a question about what she's really required to do as a wedding planner. Is, is, it her goal, is it her role to set up linens, to place linens on tables and such? Is it her role to do cleanup? And she had a wedding recently where she had to do the linens and so forth, and it put her behind schedule. So not an unusual question. So before I answer... If anyone has some feedback on Kathy's question, because I always want to jump in, don't I? I always want to jump in and answer. But I'm curious if you, you know, if you're in the chat, please post what your feedback is about Kathy's dilemma here. And, uh, I, you know, the reason I really did that is because I just saw Ken's uh, chat thing, message. I couldn't believe it was true, but I know the names they have in Australia. So Ken is joining us from, okay, Warren, War, okay, Warren, okay, let's see. Warnambool, really, really, Warnambool. I don't. I'm. I'm not saying it right. In Victoria, Australia, there's a song that we used to sing. Um, okay, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> can I say that to say good morning? Welcome. I think you're the furthest away from um, where I'm located. So. It's good to have you here from Australia and especially great that we have a gentleman in the house. So there's always, um, it's good when there's a rooster in the hen house. So uh, good morning, Ken. Assuming that Ken is a gentleman and not sure, you know, I make assumptions with gender names. You can't do that anymore, right? All that's changed. Chazelle, oh my gosh, I haven't spoken to Chazelle in a long time. Chazelle is our resident wedding planner from Puerto Rico. Good to see you this morning. Good to see you. Veronica from Utterly Elegant Weddings and Events in New Jersey. Good morning. I missed you too. It's good to, to see you here. Sherry is here. Um, I am Mrs. Harrigan. <laughs> good morning. And uh, so I said the name right, huh, Ken? He's, you should see the spelling if you're not there. It's W-A-R-R. I don't know if there's three R's. That can't be right. W-A-R-R-N-A-M-B-O-O-L. Wow, that's a handful, right? Okay. Hi, I'm Ken from Warrnambool, Victoria, Australia. Fantastic. Okay, so Kathy's question. Sorry, I, I get so distracted, right? <laughs> so here's the thing, right? I realize a lot of us, I was going to say put the cart before the horse, or is it the horse before the cart? Put the cart before the horse, right? I think we're so eager to get into setting up and doing weddings for clients, but you've got to be prepared. And I think the dilemma that Kathy is in, a lot of us, maybe all of us can can uh, relate to because I think we go through it at some point. So when you're when you agree to do someone's wedding um, for a fee, even if there isn't a fee, there should be something in writing so that both parties understand what's expected of the other. For you, the wedding plan, it lists very clearly what you are going to do. And I would say 
err on the side of too much information rather than less. Also, what's important is you have to say what you are not going to do. I know it sounds weird initially, but then we're all very clear because people want to make sure they understand what's expected of them. So if someone's coming, I'll use something like um, if some I need I'm looking for someone to to retile my uh, a portion of my bathroom. So I've had folks come in and give me quotes and they they range. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. But some folks have said, you know, you get the tile, you get the material, I'll do the install. Or if you, you know, we have tiles that you can choose and you pick out your tile. So it varies. So I know whether I've got to buy the tile or whether I get to pick their tile or if they're going to bring the tile in and I, you know what I mean? So it's no different with weddings. When you decide that you're going to plan and arrange someone's wedding, you have to decide what it is you're going to do. But even before that, you have to decide what level of service you're providing because you can be doing full service, which means soup to nuts. You do just about everything there is to be done for the wedding from the planning stages to doing the vendor visits with the clients, answering every last question and email and phone call they have, um, going to you know the, the venue, setting that up breakdown or striking, meaning you take everything down. But you have to decide what level of service you're doing. Um, day of is a popular service. I like doing day of because I can um, do more weddings <laughs> in a shorter space of time, which really means I kind of come in at the end of a client's wedding planning process. They do most of the wedding planning, right? And then I come in with my team and we were there pretty much on the wedding day, but there's some prep work before that leading up to it. So, for the day of packages that I offer, we don't do breakdown. It's not included. It can be, but someone has they have the client has to pay for that. But we as wedding planners have to educate the clients. We have to let them know if you need cuz they're not thinking about that. You have to ask them what you, you, you I can see I'm not doing centerpieces, I'm not, I'm not doing decor. Are there linens that need to go on the table because in our with, with the timeline that we have in place for your wedding day, that's not something I've built in. Now, if they want you, they have linens or they have centerpieces that they want you to arrange, you can do that, but you've got to, number one, allow enough time for that to happen. And depending on how much time is available for you to set up, like how much time the venue says you have, whether it's an hour or two hours or three hours, it makes a, a lot of difference. If you have the time to do it, and do you have the manpower or woman power to do that? Meaning, are there enough people on your staff to get it done in the time allotted? And if there isn't, then you can still get people to do that. You're going to have to pay people to do that, which means your client has to pay you additional. So, Kathy, you have to decide when you're working on a wedding if it's universal that you're going to inc- you're going to lay you know put linens on table tables and so forth. I typically don't don't do that. Um, if there are linens to be set up, either um, the staff at the venue is responsible for that or the person who's ready, who's, who is responsible for, for design should be doing that. And here's another part. I think a lot of us wedding planners are rolling everything into one. If you're planning, like um, doing the logistics, deciding what needs to be where at what time, and you're also doing design, Meaning you're creating centerpieces, you're decorating the location, you know, whether you're doing this flagging something more elaborate or just doing centerpieces for each table, you should be charging separately for that. And in that fee that you're charging, then you include, you know, the setup and the breakdown. But you have to itemize what it is you're doing 
and let your clients know ahead of time. So again, they may not know. They, they You shouldn't expect them to know to ask you about that, but you need to present it to them. You get what I mean? These are things, this is why I, I said what I said right at the beginning, that I think a lot of us jump into um, planning weddings to the point where we have clients, but we haven't really thought it through. Um, wedding planner certification isn't required. We're not in an industry that requires us to be certified wedding planners. It may be a good idea for you if you don't know where to begin and have no clue as to what to do when it comes to weddings. But beyond knowing what happens at a wedding, you also then have to think about the next part is once you figure out what happens at a wedding is how are you going to run your business? What services can you offer? What time, what, 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 what time, what kind of services do you have time to offer? If you're working a full-time job, I don't think it's reasonable for you to offer full service planning because you are pretty much at someone's beck and call. And if you're working eight, nine, 10 hours a day, that's pretty difficult to do if you're doing that five or six days a week, as many of us are. Um, let me look back to see if anyone responded to Kathy's question. Oh, Chazelle says, and I um, hope I'm not going, um, our, Chazelle um, says, I believe our job as a wedding planner is to be, whoa, the screen moves so quickly. Oh, my. Is to tie loose ends. Therefore, I would place the linens just to make sure everything is perfect. Okay. Chazelle, I can see your point there. However, Kathy said in her message, in her voicemail, that it threw her off. It threw her off schedule. So either they, it, it, that, that says to me, that, that there wasn't enough preparation involved. And as, a, as wedding planners, we have to think of just about everything. It comes down to that timing. Again, if you're at a venue and they're only giving you an hour to set up, that's not enough time to begin with. It really isn't. That makes a difference. You need more people. You need more people. If you've got three hours to set up, you need less people because you've got more time. You still need to have enough people, though, because if Kathy's going to be at the ceremony site and it's different from the reception site and she's overseeing that and she only has one person at the reception site. That's not enough, by the way. Um, and that person is taking time to set up linens. Then that person can't really, in good conscience, oversee vendors and take care of other bits and pieces that will inevitably come up. So that's why I say there needs to be enough preparation. If I'm working with a client, I want to see whether I need to know where the reception site is. I need to understand the layout. I need to know the size of the tables. And if I know the size of the tables, the next question is going to be, well, what linens are going on the tables? Is there a company to set that up? Is the venue doing that? And if the client says, no, I thought you were going to do that. I can say, oh, well, no, I didn't plan on doing that. We can. This is the fee to do so. But rather than springing that on the client, then that's something that should come up in the initial consultation. This is our this is my level of service. These are the things that I do for this fee. If you need additional services or you need additional help, we can do this for you. We can set up the web. We can place linens and such so forth on on each of the tables and set up centerpieces. This is the fee to do that. At the end of the night, you really shouldn't be concerned about breaking down the reception site. Normally, the caterer takes care of that. So maybe this wedding, there was no full service caterer. Is that the caterer's job or is that me, the wedding planner's job? But we've got to make this decision before the wedding day gets here. And on part of your job as a wedding planner is to um, create a production timeline, which is really just a detailed, sometimes to the minute of what's going on at any given time. So when anyone looks who needs to look at needs to looks at this timeline, this person can say, oh, it's 1020. 
we should be, this is what should be going on right now. And if this isn't going on or this, this particular task or event hasn't happened, we are now behind schedule and we need to pick, pick, pick it up a bit. You see what I mean? So there is so much that goes on with planning and the smoother a wedding runs, the more preparation that was involved beforehand. A lot of people don't realize that. It seems seamless. Whoa, weird sentence. It seems very fluid, but there's a lot of planning to the point where you have to overthink things, where people are like, gosh, do we really... And I know people think I'm overthinking it because at the wedding rehearsal, when I present a, 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 an abridged timeline to the bridal party, almost always there's a wise... Mm, <laughs> a smart... <laughs> I can't even get the word. I have to say the bad word, but there's always a smart, a smarty pants, let's go with that, that says, oh, wow, look at what we're doing at 3.35 and then at 3.40, we're doing this. And usually that's the person that I've got to help out on the wedding day because he or she doesn't know what the hell's going on. You see, so there has to be some planning and preparation, but bottom line is you kind of have to say up front, this is what I can do and this is what I'm willing to do for this fee. I can certainly do what you're asking me to do, but this is how much more it will cost. Um, Clarissa saying placing the linens can throw off your schedule if you don't have enough assistance or people. Yes, you should time yourselves and multiply it. That's how you figure out how much time it will take to set up the table linens. Exactly. Um, Clarissa goes on to say, for example, um, if you agree to place the chair covers and sashes, you should do one chair and see how long it takes you. This is how you will know how much time it will take and people to accomplish setting up all the chair covers and sashes. Right on. So it's just, you have to, and even in, in, in other tasks, very well said, Clarissa, other things that we're doing, when you're going through the stages of setting up your business, you want to see how long it takes you to do certain things. How long does a vendor visit typically take? How long is it really taking me to put this timeline together? How long are my client meetings really taking? Instead of winging it and guessing, make a conscious effort to see how long it takes for you to do certain tasks. And then you will honestly begin to realize I'm not charging enough for my services because it's taking me a lot of time to do certain things. I think it was Larissa, Larissa, that said in um, maybe one of our member events that there's a st statistic that I think it's around the 83, let's go with 85% of brides and grooms. I mean, I've got to stop doing this gender thing. 85% of couples getting married are not hiring a wedding planner. That's a smaller percentage of people who are hiring wedding planners. Right. So we have to educate them as to what it is we do. But the thing is, not everyone's hiring us. Not everyone is hiring us. So when they hear what our fee is, sometimes they're like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. But if you can explain to someone all the things that you are going to do, not everybody's going to get it. But there are going to be a portion of those couples getting married who are going to say, yeah, I see the value in that. It takes at least 100 hours to put, to put a wedding together. At least that's on the low end. OK, so preparation is key, Kathy. Um, you get to decide, though, what it is that you want to do for your clients. And if you don't want to do breakdown, you don't want to break down a reception site. You can you can outsource that. So if you know of folks, um, it may be a cleaning company. It may be another type of company or maybe that's just another type of uh, another arm of your business that you want to create that you have a group of people that are just there to come in at the end of your events and break down an event. And charge for that. You, whatever that company is charging or whatever that person is charging you, you mark that up and you pass it on to your clients. And then you can say to your clients, this is what, you know, we can, this is the service that I provide. Things like chair sash, chair covers and sashes that do take a lot of time, especially if that stuff's wrinkled, you can charge by the item. You can say we charge, you know, whatever it is to place each chair cover on each 
chair. And someone, you know, you're going to get pushback. Oh, my gosh. But it takes time. It really does take time. And be careful with clients who say to you, well, we'll take care of that. That's I hear that a lot. You have to make sure that that doesn't throw things off for you. Because if they say, okay, I'll just get my sister and her friends, they'll put the chair covers on. But sister and friends don't show up on time to put the chair covers on, then it's kind of left to you and your staff to figure it out. And who do you think looks bad at the end? It's you. So you got to you have to be very careful. If you can, if there's a service that you can offer to your clients, offer it. Doesn't mean you have to do it. Just outsource this and outsource it and mark it up. And maybe you don't make a lot of money on it. Let's say someone's charging you, I don't know, round numbers, a hundred dollars to break down to to clean up uh, after reception. Maybe you charge your clients one twenty, one thirty, if that. You're not trying to make a whole lot of money on that. You just want to get it done. You understand? So you know you can do it that way. All right. Um, Nicole, hi Nicole, is saying she typically spends one hundred and forty hours on a wedding, and that's with experience. Wow. See? Yeah. Um, Clarissa said she cut a cake recently at her last wedding and charged per slice. I charged the bride up front, according to her guest count. And a lot of a lot of venues do that. They'll they'll charge a cake cutting fee. Um, usually the cake cutting fee is to penalize someone for not getting cake through them. So like if I'm a venue and we offer a cake and you decide you don't want to get the cake from us and you want to bring your own cake in, then I may charge you to cut that cake. It's a part of doing business. But you have to decide these things up front. You don't want to spring that on your clients halfway through the wedding. It just seems like bait and switch. It doesn't, it doesn't sit well. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. I just want to see if there's any other feedback. Um, Nicole says she typically has two assistants for situations like that because something like that happens at every wedding. If it's not linens, it's Joe forgot his tie at home, or Susie doesn't have a floral. It's always something. You're absolutely right, Nicole. It's not if stuff's going to happen, it's when, and you just have to be prepared. And the more weddings you do, you, you begin to understand what you have to have in place. Um, Chazelle mentioned, with regard to this decorating thing, if this was the responsibility of the decorator and they did not place the linens on the table as agreed, then I would think twice about hiring them again. Yeah, you're right. But You're right about that, Chazelle. But see, the thing is with the wedding, there are no do-overs. Unless you're like Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> but no, really, there are no do-overs. It's, it's at that moment. We got to think of something to do quick, fast, and get it done. And then we figure out afterwards, we can say, I'm not dealing with this company again. But for that moment, you've got to come up with something. And if the chair covers are there and they're not on the chairs, they got to get on there. Someone's got to do it. Okay, let's move on. Um, there was a question in the chat, I think. Where is it? Um, from... Um, Um, oh, thank wedding day specialist. Who's this? JC Menace. If you're a wedding business guide member, Debbie has a great video sharing her unique welcome package ideas. Oh, go Debbie. Love her creativity. Thank you. Sometimes I forget, you know, we're getting ready to change wedding business guide, but thank you so much for saying so. Um, okay. Guess 102. I think it is. Um, my business, happy events, planning and management is a new business. Congratulations. Although I've had my Facebook page up for some time, I'm qualified and have over 11 years event organization experience, but having trouble getting my first wedding to plan. Sorry if off topic. No worries. Desi Whoa, the chat moved. Sorry. Design of the tables would be important for the planner to oversee as the client would have told the planner a rough vision of what they would like to see. Maybe. Oh, okay. In response to the situation with the, the planner and the, with the, the Kathy mentioned. See, yeah. And I don't think, 
I don't think that discussion doesn't sound like that discussion really happened. You know, when in doubt, just ask, just ask a lot of questions, ask a lot of questions. And again, the more weddings you plan, the more questions you're going to ask because you're going to get bitten once and say, this is not going to happen a second time. I got to make sure I cover myself. Um, Nicole's asking a question. Debbie, uh, do you book back to back weddings? For example, July 18th, July 25th and August 1st. I'm finding that booking them so close is draining me. If, if you do, how do you handle the stress? Oh, good question, Nicole. Isn't that a good good kind of situation to be in? Um, typically, no. Day of, if I do day of, where I'm coming in at the end, I'll do two for the month and usually not back to back. So I'll do the, if I do the first Saturday, then I can do the third or the fourth. But I'm not doing two consecutive weeks, usually. Because all the weddings ramp up at the same time. They get busy towards the end. Um, so... Depending on how many people you have on staff will determine how many weddings. And you can decide, you know, I'm only doing 10 weddings a year. I'm only doing five weddings a year. But if someone has already booked you for a wedding in a certain month, a lot of planners don't do any other weddings in, 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 in that month. But you have to figure out, it really depends on the man, I keep saying manpower, <laughs> on your team, how many people that you have with you. Because it's the last two to three weeks of a wedding when things get a little hectic. So it really depends on... Number one, the level of service that you're providing. Are you doing full service or are you doing day of? Number two, how many people do you have to help you? Um, another reason that I like day of is because it's easier for me to to get more people on board to help. Once I've shown someone what needs to happen towards the end of a wedding, the last two weeks of a wedding, I can take on more than one wedding in a weekend because all I have to do is kind of sort of like oversee what's happening at each site assuming they're not too far away. And conceivably, the wedding could happen in my absence. But when someone has hired you, they want to see you. If you tell them up front that I've got a team and, you know, I'm Debbie, but Nicole is actually going to be the lead planner for this wedding, then I can outsource that wedding. You see how I, you see what I mean? So it really depends on, on, on your level of service. If it's full service, it, that may not work for you. Um, and how many people you have on, uh, on board. But personally, I don't. I, I don't do back-to-back. -back. I did that... Uh, when I was in New York, I think I did a couple of weddings like that, two in the same month, and it was just too much. I, I was working full-time, too. It was just too much. I couldn't do it. Um, Chazelle is saying, I've done back-to-back -back weddings, like four weddings in one weekend, and I've had my full staff with me. It's a great help, and the week after, I go to the spa to get rid of the stress. Go, Chazelle. More power to you. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Chazelle says she's always there at the wedding. Okay. So it really depends on what you're offering and the level of service. Um, I've been working I, this past week, the last, yeah, the last week I've had two people because I've convinced them to get ordained because I really want to try to um, push this efficient thing and, and, and try to sell that as a package. And the reason, and they, they got ordained, what it takes minutes online. And the goal is really to get these people out there to officiate weddings, but not really selling it as an efficient for a wedding, selling it more as a smaller, all-inclusive package. And my goal is to kind of just kind of pull away from actually being at all of the weddings and trying to empower someone else to, number one, go out there and manage a wedding, and two, eventually just run their own thing. And and if I can help with the marketing and get them some business and get a, a small, small percentage of that, then that's fine with me. But that's my goal. And we all have different goals as to how we want to run what we do. But I think... 
The thing with weddings is it's exciting to begin with, but it drains you after a while. Weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend. Sometimes you don't want to do that on the weekends. I've become, I've come to that stage. I still love weddings, but um, not every weekend. Not sometimes not every not even every month. You know, it's just the way I feel. Um, guest one or two, who that's our friend in Australia, right? Is it worth focusing a lot of your marketing on social media? As I mentioned in my last comment, I've had a Facebook page up for some time and haven't had any response, any advice. Um, those of you, I know there are some real social media um, gurus out there, so you can please respond. Guest one or two, what is your first name, please? That would be nice. And um, do you have a website, guest one or two? Do you also have a website? I'd love to know. Um. Nicole responds, it is totally worth it. Half my bookings come from Facebook marketing. Wonderful. Wonderful. You know, today was supposed to be a call-in day. I was setting up the phone lines and um, didn't set it up quite correctly, as with the video camera. But I think um, our next show will be a call-in, and then it will be good for you to call in, and I can hear what it is that you're saying. Uh, any other responses to social media? Um Guess one or two. The reason why I'm passing that on because I would be a hypocrite because I haven't latched on enough to social media. I totally get it, but um, I'm one of those people <laughs> that. And, and and to be honest, I think what I'm doing now is a form of social media. But I know you're referring to things like Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and so forth. Um, and there are others out here who are benefiting from that. Chazelle is saying uh, to Nicole, "Let's connect via Facebook." I've been in the business for twelve years and I travel all over. Oh, sure. Destination. Okay, that's what Chazelle's saying. But for those of you who have had much luck with social media and it actually bringing in business for you for your wedding business, guess one or two who I'm sure is going to say, um, provide his name and so forth. It would be great if if um, we could reach out to to him um, and let him know of our feedback with regard to social media. Should we make our next show about social media? We can do that. If you'd like, we can do that. And then I can sort of get your thoughts and maybe some folks will come on um, online and actually talk for the rest of us to hear. Um, Clarissa has a question. Um, a bride doesn't want to follow your policies. And if a bride doesn't want to follow your policies, you know what? Let me copy and paste this. Okay, if a bride doesn't want to follow your policies and procedures, I had a bride recently that wanted to make changes after the 30-day deadline. I have a policy where the bride cannot make changes within 30 days of the wedding. What, what, okay, what is a 30-day deadline for? To, you said to make changes to what, Clarissa? To your planning? To your package? Is that what you mean? Let me know. Um, and actually, um, I'm just copying some of these comments because as the chat is um, updated, it moves and I can't. Keep up with all the comments. Hey, by the way, if you posted a comment and I missed it, please feel free, feel free to post it again. Exquisitely Designed, who I believe is responding to the question about social media, says, oh my gosh, it's moved again. It is total. whoa, where is it gone? Where is it gone? It's worth it, but it is a lot of work. You have to keep up with the post and keep your name out there. Okay, so Exquisitely Designed is saying it's worth it. So it sounds like the cost is low, but the time input is, is definitely substantial. Clarissa says, I love social media platforms. Instagram is my favorite and Twitter. I love Twitter chats and parties. Okay, so that's bringing you business, huh, Clarissa? Because I know um, I find Twitter to be very busy. Um, that's not even the right word. Noisy, just so much. Because Twitter is sort of like in the moment. If you miss it, you miss it. You got to, you know, tweet again. But um, that's just my limited experience there. Um, 
Guest 102 is Ken. Oh, I think, Ken, I think you may have written to me before, unless I'm assuming there's only one Ken in Australia. How ignorant is that? Um, Ken says, I'm working on a website, but having trouble getting my head around it. Startup capital is low to pay someone to do a website. So working on it. Okay. All right. Got it. Um, So Ken, I think having a website, not I think, I know having a website is key because one thing I do know for sure with my limited experience with social media, my limited involvement, is that those platforms are controlled by someone else. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it is what it is. It's controlled by someone else. If Facebook changed their policies, Twitter changed their policies, Instagram, we also have to go along with that. But a website is your domain, pun intended. It, it's yours. You get to decide what's on there. If you want, you want to move something around, you want to make changes, it's yours. So I think that's a key part. Also, when you're running a business, a business where you expect to collect money, right? That's what a business is. Someone expects you to have a website. And I know when I run into someone, if they're running, if they're running a business and I ask for their website address and there's no website and I'm seeing Facebook and seeing Twitter, this is me, Debbie. I'm, I'm, I'm turned off because I'm, I'm trying to understand why is there no website? Why would you not have a website or have an online presence that's yours? That's me. Maybe not everybody thinks that way. But I think if you are running a business, Ken, to be honest, and you expect to collect monies, then you need to have an online presence that's yours. So I get it. You're working towards that. But I think that needs to be a priority. But I mean, you could start, you could start just writing a blog, um, even using WordPress.com, even though it's not your own, but at least you're getting an online presence that's kind of your own little area. And then at some point, switch over to getting, you know, the, the website going for you. But to get a website up and running, we're talking in the region of around eight, nine dollars a month for hosting. If you can afford eight, nine dollars, let's just make it around, I'm going to say around ten dollars a month for hosting. It shouldn't be that much, though. And um, yeah, if you're hosting and you buy a domain name, that's about ten dollars for the year that can get your website going. I, I don't know if that's kind of out of out of way, out of the way for you. But I think what you're saying is um, it's the design of the website that might be throwing you off with the cost. So I, I definitely get that. I'm actually working on trying to put something together for you guys for that. So for those of you that want a website, but that's where I've been MIA, just been focusing on some other things. So can I definitely get it, but I think you definitely want to make that a priority. Um, uh, Guest 609 asked me, I just happened to glimpse that. Where did it go? Something about how many hours to do day of. How many hours does it typically take? Oh gosh, I can't keep up with the chat. Um, how many hours does it typically take to plan a wedding as a day of service planner? Um, okay, so for the wedding day, you're there usually around 10 hours, say, say maybe 12 hours. Add another 30 on top of that. It's about 40 to 50 hours to do day of if you add all the hours together. The more you do, the less hours it takes. But about that would be my, is, is my estimate. I don't know if anyone else agrees with me, but that's about, about right. Um, oh, guess 489 says, Ken, well, Ken can probably see you, Guest 489. I think you guys can do like individual conversations. If you click on someone's name, you can sort of do a private convo there. Um, But Guest 489, whomever that is, says they do websites and can help Ken for sure. Wonderful. Um, Exquisitely Designed says, Ken, a website is a must. There are a lot of low-cost website builders um, and hosts out there. I know Wix is one. Um, Squarespace is another because I know 
the guy from Square Squarespace reached out. Weebly, I want to say. The, the thing is, you want to go with a website that that really allows you to brand it on your own, meaning that you're not seeing the company that's providing you the services name in the in the URL in the address field. But there there are definitely affordable uh, options out there for a website. Um, guest one or two, who we now know is Ken, says, "I have a domain and all that, and a host just takes time, I guess." Okay, Ken, so you're kind of there. I'm glad to hear that. All right, so okay, yeah, that. Guest 489 says they're going to reach out to you, whomever that is. Um, but yeah, I don't even want to put hand on heart and say that I can help you with that because I did that for one client, one member, and I, it took way longer than we both anticipated because of my timing. But um, I'd be curious. Ken, let me know. And Guest 489, whomever you are, if you're able to help, that would be great. But I think if you put the call out there, you'll be surprised that you can probably get something done um, that looks good. But it does have to look good. Don't, don't, don't accept something that you know for yourself that you're not proud of. You don't ever want to make an excuse for your website. You know what I mean? When someone says, my website's up, but no, you don't want that. You want a website that's going to look great. And even if it's just a one pager that has a great image on there, um, has your phone number, your, you know, your contact information and the contact form, but as long as it looks professional, that's a starting point. And then if you're blogging regularly, you know, writing comments, writing um, posts about the weddings in your area, I think you'll begin to pick up some steam. Okay. I wanted to get to a question that um, came in earlier um, a few, a couple weeks ago, actually, from Marissa. I don't think she's here today, but she sent me a comment. I wanted to share it with you. And she says, I can't thank you enough for the Confetti Talk Show and Wedding Business Guide. When I started my company, I was doubtful that I would be able to handle making my business grow. But through your tips, encouragement, and honest feedback, I've got a wedding planned for every month next spring and summer. Not to mention great connections with media. My niche is the LGBT community. Because of promoting as such, the media and community has taken notice. She goes on to say, I've been nominated for Best Wedding Planner of the Year in my area. And I won an award last year for Best Event Planner of the Year from a nonprofit. The sky is really the limit. It's all about hard work. And that's from Marissa. Marissa, I am so proud of you. I am so pr- I read that email and I thought, oh, my gosh. Because, you know, sometimes you're not quite sure if you're doing things that are helping people. And when I read that, I'm kind of emotional. I can be a bossy boots, but I'm a bit of an emotional bossy boots. And I almost cried because a lot of times I think we doubt ourselves, me included, me included. We doubt ourselves. And when you really take the leap forward and make a step to try something, to, to especially when you're trying something that you're not comfortable doing, it says a lot about you. A lot of people want to start a business. And I think a lot of us are are worried or scared about the outcomes. And worrying is so much more worse than actually taking a leap of faith and doing it. And what's the worst thing that could happen? It doesn't work out the way that you plan, but you can say, I gave it a go. And Marissa, I wish, I I keep saying I got to get that applause sound, but I'm so happy for you. Marissa has a a, a wedding booked each month, next spring and summer. And that's the position you want to be in. And I think the fact that she has a niche is really making her stand out. A lot of people want to plan weddings, but a lot of people are thinking they got to plan weddings for everyone. No, you just figure out what area of weddings that you enjoy the most. Make sure that there are enough people that are feeling the same way, meaning you have enough of a customer base. And you have to do your due diligence. You do have to do some research. But once you realize there are people out there who are on the same, uh, have the same thought pattern as, as you, 
are on the same wavelength as you when it comes to weddings, focus your business on that. Don't worry about all the others that are doing everything. Soup to nuts. That's not your concern. Just focus on that little area that you can do really, really, really well. It's not going to attract everybody, but you don't want everybody. You just want the people who love the stuff that you want and that you're passionate about. And Marissa, I know when we first started speaking, um, I'm not going to take all the credit, but I know she was sort of on that path. And I think when she came on with Wedding Business Guide, it kind of gave her a bit of a push. And sometimes it's just a portion of listening to this talk show that can help. So kudos to Marissa. I, I know several of you in the chat room may know who I'm speaking about. So uh, Marissa, when you listen, I'm so happy and so proud of you. Proud of you. Congratulations. Um, Clarissa in the chat room is clapping her hands for you. So wonderful. And um, she goes on to say that that's so inspirational, Clarissa. So good for you, Marissa. Um, I have another question that came in from Megan. Megan is part of a company's name is Celebrate Colorfully. The last talk show I did for Confetti, I recorded offline. It wasn't live. And there is, if you listen to it, it's episode number 376. So weddingsforliving.com slash 376. And you'll hear that Megan had a few suggestions about where to get leads for business. Thumbtack is one of them, which I'm familiar with. Um, and she mentioned another one called HoneyBook to help you book weddings, which seems by all accounts to be a, a pretty neat concept. So check out weddingsforliving.com slash 376. But she has another comment. And by the way, and before I say that, Marissa, um, there's another congratulations um, from Ron. One, two, three, four. Um, he's so happy for Marissa. And congratulations from Gabrielle. I just want to make sure that you know that there's a lot of love in the chat room for you today. Okay, so Megan says, I was wondering if you could talk a little about what I'm calling bridal amenities. Little special things you could offer to your client on the day of their wedding. Not something you would advertise, but just nice surprises. A few examples I'm thinking of are a special emergency kit for the bride, bridal suite picking up coffees for the bridal party while they're getting ready, or maybe a little midnight snack for the couple after the wedding is over. Do you have any other ideas? What sorts of, what sorts, what sort of special things do you like to do for your clients? Thanks. Okay. So that's from Megan from Celebrate Colorfully. Um, Yes, Megan. I love those, doing those things, those touches. Um, I think it's just in our nature as wedding planners. It's a labor of love. It really is. I think many of us would plan weddings, um, Without compensation. I think many of us, in fact, many of us do plan weddings without compensation. But there are lots of little things, nice surprises that you can do for your clients that are sort of like unannounced specials. So um, I provide when the couples, when the, the usually the bride, the bride and her gals are getting ready together and the groom and his guys, I got to stop doing this gender thing. I have yet to do a same sex wedding, so I'm still stuck on traditional gender roles. But I provide a snack basket. And it really isn't a, it's not a snack basket a basket of sort. I have a favorite grocer, a grocery store, and they provide um, – it's sort of like a platter. Um, and I provide that for each of the rooms. There is an emergency kit that they each have access to, meaning each of the um, groups, so like the bride and her folks and the groom. And, and, and the way that's set up, it's one of those um, accessory jewel bags. Uh, not bags. I'm not using the right term. You know what I'm talking about? They're, they're little clear, clear squares. They hang up on the back of the door and they're used to separate jewelry. But what's inside of them are different things. Safety pins in one, Q-tips in another. Um, there are tampons in another, um, hair clips, the um, 
mini um, deodorant spray, not the roll-on. So all of these things are in the back of this thing. So this is not the, I have my own emergency kit. This is not the emergency kit I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a mini emergency kit. So it's hung up on the back of the door or on the wall. So folks know that anything you need, you can probably find in here. So I keep those items, um, emergency kit for each of the brides and grooms. And it's not a big deal. As long as I get my little holder thing back, I don't care if all the stuff is utilized. Little mints are in there. Um, so I do provide that. And as I mentioned, the um, my phone's ringing. I forgot to switch it off. Sorry, I got distracted. And the the platter, I make sure there's um, water, nothing that can stain. Everything is sort of clear. Um, sometimes sparkling cider, if I'm in the right frame of mind, remember to do that. And um, at the end of the night, I don't do it traditionally, but maybe that's a good thing to do is to make sure there's a takeaway box for the bride and groom. Because for some, some reason, they don't always manage to eat. Um if you have access to the honeymoon suite, I know some wedding planners go in there and decorate the room um, for the for the couple. If you have access to that, you can do that. I I think I, I we did that once, and that was for the dest- destination wedding we did, and that was because everybody was staying at the hotel. I knew where the bride and groom were staying, but I haven't done that. But I'd love to hear what other things that you have, um, for those of you listening in, what kind of special unannounced surprises do you do for your clients? Um um, Clarissa is saying, I love that. Adding those sweet little touches, especially on the wedding day. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Perfect. Ba- oh, with the emergency kit, right? Yeah. The, the, I, I'm doing it. And, I, you know, you can't see me on the camera, but I'm <laughs> moving my arms around like a twit. But uh, some of those, th- those are some of the things that you can do. Um, I also like to bring... Um, I create a. Pl- I did this once. I'm saying I, I, I like to do, like I do it consistently. But thinking about it now has got me thinking. Um a playlist. So I usually find out the kind of music that the clients like and usually offer create that as a playlist. It would be a CD usually and they play that as they're getting ready. But I found, maybe I'm just old school. I'm old school. So a good disco, <laughs> unless you hate disco, or, you know, some oldies like a good R&B because they kind of get you pumping and some good old pop tunes like an 80 CD, unless you're dealing with very young clients, you don't want to hear any of that crap. But for the, the clients that I do, well, they kind of, that, that music seems to go down pretty well because it kind of gets people pumping. Now, maybe your clients want something that's a little more low key and more love song-ish, <laughs> um, slow tunes, slow jams kind of thing. But you can come up with a playlist and maybe you create three or four playlists and determine based on which of your clients kind of music they like. And you can do this when you're asking them in that very first meeting, what kind of music do you listen to? And based on what they tell you, based on that feedback, then you can create a playlist that is is played during your, you know, when they're getting ready. So that, that's just something I just thought of on the top. But those are the little things, the details that are going to... Um, to set you apart. I always try to get a picture of me and the clients, um, meaning I'm kind of in the middle, such a bossy boots. I want to be the star of the show. Not really, but, and taking a picture and then a year later saying, you know, this time last year, um, including that picture with the anniversary, assuming they're still together. It doesn't always last a year. But um, those are things like, you know, things like that. I don't know if they want a picture with me <laughs> in the middle, but they're getting one. So um, that's another another touch. But that's a good good question. Maybe that's something to post on Weddings for a Living. What kind of little things do you like to do for your clients? Okay. Um, okay, so I had one other question that I wanted to bring. Let me just see what's going on in the chat room here. Um Oh, Chazelle says, I always bring a handwritten thank you note and give them a gift from Puerto Rico. Remember, Chazelle's in Puerto Rico and does does destination weddings. Um, Other things we do is decorate their suite with petals and candles. Okay, that seems to be nice. Um, 
Clarissa says, I love going into the couple's room and decorating their bridal suite. That seems to be popular, right? Um, let's see. I would like, uh, Janelle is saying, oh, she's responding. Okay, so there's some couple cha- a couple of chats going on. Let me look through. Um, Clarissa says, I have a bag like that. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping in. I can't keep up. Can't keep up. Oh, Nicole, Debbie, and Planners, looking for opinions or feedback on, oh my gosh, on promo videos. I have a mini one, but I'm about to add a new, more detailed promo. I'm excited and not sure what direction this will take me in. Any thoughts? Good question, Nicole. Um, I know, um, what's her name? Uh, Bride's Fairy Godmother, Colleen Bauer. Um trying to remember her website if you search for Colleen C-O-L-L-E-E-N on Weddings for Living her interview will come up which has a link to her website I think she may have changed the business name but I know she has a video that she does um, and I think it talks about you know her passion for the wedding for the wedding she plans and it seems like one of her videographers created that for her so that's a nice promo video Um, I think personally I like the videos that don't look too polished if you've ever seen you know like a lot of those MLM things and you, you're seeing someone and they've got, you know, the car and everything because they're doing such a great job with their with their multi-level marketing business. And sometimes if the video is too polished to me, I'm already averse to the MLM, sorry. But when I see a polished video like that, I'm kind of like, hmm, that looks too well put together. But I like when someone's being real and sitting down, they're in their office and they're just talking about what it is that they do, why they enjoy what they do, um, getting some feedback from um, clients, maybe. Those are the kind of videos that I'm drawn to because it's real. Um, You just have to, I mean, you have to stage it a little bit. You have to make sure there aren't a whole bunch of weird things in the background that might distract the attention. But I kind of like that. And video has come such a long way now. The barrier is so low with webcams. Um, The key is just to make sure the sound is, is the people can hear you sound is very important and the lighting so that people can see you especially if you're <laughs> dark complexion like I am it's not not so much of an issue but sound is very important but um I think just being real and and scripting it don't I mean it doesn't have to be word for word but think about if you've ever looked at videos especially like demonstration videos and that person's kind of doing it on the fly and you kind of wish they had just thought this through a little bit more before they recorded it. But, you know, do a few takes on your own and see how those come out. We are wedding planners, so I know we have relationships with videographers. Talk to the videographers. Usually that person only wants credit, meaning somewhere it needs to say that this is the videographer that created that for you. I kind of get away from that term too because I know a lot of videographers I'm working for with don't like that term. They're using the term like filmmaker or a documentary specialist or something like that. But you get my gist. Um, we are blessed to be in an industry where we should be we should be able to get our hands on a decent photographer and decent videographers. And um, a lot of times it'll cost little to to nothing to do that. Okay, so any of the feedback you guys want to post, please feel th- feel th- feel three uh, feel free. Um, Charisma saying, I would like to know what can you do to get more customers. We have people that be interested periodically, but the type of people that are asking cannot afford our rates. We are already reasonable and don't think we should lower our rates. What else can we do? So, Charisma, tell me more about your business. Um, what what makes you different, and what kind? Who is your customer? Describe your customer to me, and then maybe we can help you with that. Questions like that that are very general are difficult for us to answer. I'm saying us, me, and everyone else here because we need to know more about what it is that you're doing. But if you have created 
a website. I'm using that because you mentioned that. Um, your website needs to match who you are. So when I look at your website, I'm supposed to be able to say this person is for me or this person is not for me. And if people are inquiring and thinking your rates are too high, I'm going to take a chance and say that there's usually a disconnect. Your website needs to match up with your prices. If you're charging 5000 and everyone's charging 2500 then your website should reflect that. Why am I paying more for 5000 But if I come to your website and it doesn't match up with that fee, you're going to get pushback. So there has to be a connection with your website, with your marketing materials, even the way that you look. I hate to say that, but that's how we judge people. If you show up on time, have a system, a complete system from beginning to end, you are dressed appropriately or in uniform, do you realize that you can command more money than the person down the street who's doing exactly the same thing? It's the perception and it has to be, there has to be a connect. You, you can't do stuff half-assed, excuse the term, and expect to collect top dollar. And I'm not accusing you of that, but I'm saying sometimes we, we don't make the connection. If you're saying to me, my website isn't quite ready, you cannot expect to command lots of money or a higher amount of money for planning weddings. And if you're getting those kind of inquiries, something about what you're doing is attracting a certain type of customer. Do you get what I mean? So I hope... I wasn't too harsh in my response there. But I think sometimes we, 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 we forget that. We forget that. I don't want to do business with someone that doesn't even have a website up there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm not putting $4,000 down and you don't even have a website. What is that about? This is 2014 going into 2015. That's me. But there may be someone else who's perfectly fine with that. But if I'm your target customer and I expect to see a website, guess what? You better have a website. It's harsh, but it's the truth. When you switch from doing this as a hobby into running a business to make money, you've got to think that way because your customers are thinking that way. And I would be lying to you to say, oh, you're okay. Don't worry about it. It's not, that's not the way things are right now. Um, Charisma says, I feel our website is nice. The potential customers tell us we look expensive and they can't afford it. So Charisma, on your website, are you, spec- are you specifying your beginning rates? Like if what I know coming to your website that what your starting rates are are you hiding that because maybe you say our rates begin at such and such if your rates start at five thousand i was expecting to spend 250 i'm not even calling you i wouldn't i don't want to waste either i don't want to waste your time on mine uh christmas goes on to say we are trying to get more diverse clients and not a specific group of people that's a problem right there we have even placed postcards in places but not getting any bites so i'm wondering what else we can do that's the first indication You said you're trying to get more diverse clients and not a specific group of people. That's a red flag for me right there. Because it says to me now you're trying to please a lot more people. We have to get away from that. And I could be wrong in interpreting what you're reading. But you do want to try to get a specific group of people and not a group. Why do you want diverse clients? Tell me why, why you say that. And in response to my question about rates, you say they're not on your website. Maybe you, you want to do that. You don't want to put all your rates off, but you can say, even if you don't want to put the cost that you're charged, you could say something like um, our average customers, uh, the average wedding, the weddings that we plan typically range around the $150 mark per person per guest. That lets me, the potential client, know what price range I'm working with. Because if I'm if I'm budgeting around $50 per guest and you're you're working with clients who are char- who are who are budgeting around $150 to $200 per guest. You're not the planner for me. I'm not going to waste your time. And you don't want me to call you, would you? You wouldn't want me to call you. So um, 
Chazelle said, it's good to find your niche market. Yes, definitely. Um, Nicole says, Charisma, what I found was looking too professional makes us a bit unapproachable. Ah, good point. Post a family photo. Show something people can relate to. Very good. I like that. It's a good point. Um, JC Min says, Charisma, you should try going to bridal shows, bridal stores, bridal shows, and the like. Meet people. Go out and talk to people. Just a thought. Very good. Um, Guest 489 says, I have a fees page on my website, but I don't have fees there. But I do have good info for the client. Oh, for the client. And that's arethagaskin.com slash fees. So she's put her, her fees out there. So I guess we're speaking to Aretha. Aretha Gaskin dot com slash fees so very good charisma um you know just and i'm getting getting ready to wrap up um you you definitely want to give some thought into the the specializing i know it's counterintuitive that we feel we need to kind of move away and and please more people it's not about that believe me believe me go the other direction see if you can attract a certain group of people and and that within itself kind of puts you in a class on your own so the people who are contacting you want what you have and the people that don't want what you have won't even bother isn't that what we want listen you're not signing up to work for someone this is your gig this is your business get the people that you want to do business with be bold enough to say I don't want to do this kind of wedding I want to do that kind of wedding and then when you determine what that kind of wedding is determine who that kind of client is and go over Go after that person. Go after that individual. In your head, you should know who your ideal client is. And that's the person you market to. Everything you write is directed at that individual. Every conversation, marketing conversation, meaning when you're talking about your business, is directed to that individual. If if that individual wouldn't receive what you're saying very well, then change it to make sure that person gets it. So that when that person comes your way, they can say, this is it right here. This is the person I was looking for. This is the company that I want to do business with. Okay? So give it a go and let us know how that works out. Um, Wedding Day Specialist added a comment here. Um, She says, I met with the photographer. Thanks for the great advice on meeting vendors. It was my first meeting. I utilized the questionnaire you provided for photographers and found that I began asking more questions as if I was a client. That was, that was great. I really got to know and determine if he qualifies to work along with me on events. Today, another vendor, I'm assisting a catering company with an event. Just thinking, thanking you for the tips of meeting and networking with vendors. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Get out there and meet vendors. They are the key to us doing more business. They can tell us what's going on. They're going to send us business too. They get to know you. You get to know them. You can recommend them. It's a good thing. You really want to go out there and meet vendors. You can't do what we're doing sitting at your desk with the smartphone in hand with the iPad you got to get out there people have to meet you offline and then you can tell them if they want to learn more they can look at your website and go online but you have you have to get out there so wedding day specialist I'm happy and so proud of you for going out there and talking to vendors and asking the questions do all the legwork for your clients that's really what it's about so by the time they talk to you you can say I know this photographer I've met with her this is her deal this is her pricing this is a specialty I think this will go well for your wedding or maybe that's not the person for your wedding but this photographer might do better but you know you go out and check them out on your own and tell me what you think but you've given them the the the, the background information you've you've done a lot of the legwork leg for them and once someone believes and trusts in what it is that you're saying it's 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 sort of like you're halfway there you're the person that they want to do business with and you're the person they're going to refer others to okay okay 
It's four minutes after the hour, so I'm going to wrap it up and tell you thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your presence. This is episode number 377. So weddingsforliving.com slash 377 is where you can catch the recording. Okay? As always, lots of love and success. I'm going to leave the chat room open for you for about 10 more minutes. Make connections, and I'll see you next month. Take care. Bye.